listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Let's jump in today. Top seven reasons that people don't fulfill their calling. And um, the reason I want to deal with this is because I'll have people that I'll meet in revivals and they'll come up to me many times at the altar, meet me after service and they'll be like, you know, would you, would you pray for me, brother Ted? Because I really feel like the Lord called me to do something. And I'll be like, wow, that's, that's amazing. When did he call you? And they'll tell me like, well, I feel like he called me about 20 years ago to, uh, to step out and do something for the kingdom. And I'm thinking to myself like 20 years, the Lord asked you to do something 20 years ago and you never started, you never got into what you were, you were called to do. There's all kinds of situations like that or people that don't end strong. You know, God wants us to end strong. Uh, I like what the way Paul put it by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, uh, I've run my race and I have finished my course. God not only wants you to run your race, he wants you to finish your course, finish strong, like Paul did, like Peter did, finish strong, like Christ did. And so there's, I'm going to give you today the top seven reasons that I've seen in ministry why people do not end up fulfilling their calling. And then obviously, as you see these, it will show you what you have to be wary of, what you have to be aware of as you're living your life for Christ and doing what God's called you to do. And uh, and so we're going to jump into these and I'll give you, put them in the comments, put them in your notes, uh, put the scriptures down. But the reason I'm saying this, and we're going to pray before we start, because I want to see you complete your purpose. I want to see you flourish in the thing that God's called you to do without question. And so I'm going to pray for you before we get going that this broadcast today, and by the way, we'll be live all week from Fitchburg, Massachusetts this morning and every morning, 1030 as normal. But I want to pray because I'm believing that before 2022 comes to an end, that you will see the mighty hand of God at work in your life in your purpose, in your calling, and that you'll complete it and it'll be successful what he called you to do. So, Father, as we get ready to open up the word of God today, let every heart receive this. Don't let there be any hindrance. Don't let there be any obstacle. And, Lord, I pray that not one of these seven would hold any person watching or listening back from doing what you've called them to do. Let this be a year of production. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we give you praise. All right. Let's go in now. Top seven reasons that people don't fulfill their calling. And the first one, I want you to put it in the comments. Number one, morning TJ. Number one is that people are unsure what their calling and what their purpose is. That's the first reason that many don't fulfill what they're called to do. Many people are unsure what their calling or what their purpose is. And that obviously will, st- that's a non-starter. You know what that does is it, it, it stops you from even getting going at all. And I know this because I get 
message after message, especially from young people. And they'll say, how do you find out? Like, how can you, how can you know what it is that God wants you to do? How can you know what it is that the Lord wants you to do with your life? And of course, we see this even in Christian young people. They'll go off to college. They'll go off to university. And they'll be in university, and they're still not sure. They're changing their major multiple times. Many of them racking up student loan debt because they're unsure what it is that the Lord wants them to do. And so we can see it right off the bat that the first top reason that many people, especially today, are not fulfilling their calling is because, first of all, they're not even sure what they're called to do. But what do you do in these, in these situations? What do you do when you don't understand what you're called to do? Well, if you go to Romans chapter 8, you'll know what the Bible teaches about uh, the children of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And so every son of God, every child of God has the ability to be led by the Spirit of God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, the Bible says in the 13th verse, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so the first issue that people deal with in this, in this area is that they have no idea what they're called to do. Can I tell you, life, things begin, to, it, it's like when you know, when you discover what you're called to do from the Holy Spirit, it's like life, things start to lock in. You feel such a strength on your life when you begin to recognize your purpose and when God reveals it to you. Because uh, as I've taught many times before, knowing your purpose sets parameters. It immediately tells you not just what you should be doing, but all of the things that you can push to the side. Why? Because now I'm focused on one avenue, one purpose, one goal. Now I can let the other things go. Now I can, I set those parameters. I not only know what to do, I know what not to get involved with. And man, things start to line up. The path becomes straight and you can run with momentum. So when people are unsure of what they're called to do, I have heavily, heavily encouraged people to fast and pray, to fast and pray because one of the things that you can be sure of, well, let me break it down like this. First, God wants you to know your purpose. That should be understood. God wants you to know what you're called uh, by him to do. So he's not trying to hide it from you. He's not trying to hold it back from you. And God is speaking. Number two, God is always speaking. So the question that we ask ourselves is, if God wants us to know, and if God is a God who speaks by his Holy Spirit, then what is it that would cause his children not to hear him speaking? Well, one of the things that takes place is because people don't 
uh, discipline themselves spiritually. Many people are not sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. They've not, they've not uh, disciplined themselves in their life to live by uh, a leading of the Holy Ghost. And so you've got one of the things fasting and prayer does is that it begins to move that carnality out of the way. It starts to move that flesh out of the way so that your spirit man becomes more dominant or the voice of the spirit is more dominantly heard than the voice of your carnal flesh. And that's one of the benefits of fasting and prayer is that it puts you in a place where your flesh becomes subdued and your spirit man is enriched and you start to hear and have communion with the Holy Spirit many times. In fact, the reason I know this is true is because if you'll go into the New Testament, there are things that the apostles would not even do until they fasted and prayed. For example, they wouldn't set certain men apart in ministry, call them out, ordain them, set them apart. They wouldn't do that except through much fasting and prayer. I'll tell you another one. They would not establish new churches and new works for God in different cities until they'd fasted and prayed. So any of these important uh, directional decisions, they made through fasting and prayer. Why? They needed to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we do the same. I've never made any important decision in my life or ministry outside of fasting and prayer, ever. Never once. Because as we know, I don't want to just do anything. I want to do the thing God's called me to do, right? And so what I, what I always want to do is before I act, before I move, I want to hear the voice of the Lord who is guiding me to do the thing he wants me to do because that's where the blessing is. The blessing is in what God's doing. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it, right? So I don't want to do my thing. I want to do his thing. So if I have to get my flesh out of the way, I'm going to get my flesh out of the way and hear his voice. And so to avoid this place of never being in this place, number one, so that you uh, don't ever fall into that trap where you don't complete your calling, you got to know what it is first. You got to know what it is first. And that will take fasting and prayer. That takes communion with the Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two, the second reason that people don't fulfill their calling is because of crippling insecurity. That's number two. Crippling insecurity. And the reason I use that crippling is because it literally cripples them from action. It stops them from moving forward. Crippling insecurity. That's number two. Put it in the comments. Put it in your notes. And uh, one, of the, one of the ways that we could say that, I guess, is because of a spirit of fear. Right? A spirit of fear. Crippling insecurity. They don't see themselves as who God called them to be. They look at themselves in the natural. Oh, how could I ever do this? How could I ever complete this? How could I step out and do this? I, I mean, who am I? I mean, who am I? And that's what the devil speaks to you. 
makes you feel like you're not uh, qualified. You don't have what it takes. You shouldn't be stepping out. All this stuff. No, you should. That this is not. This is not for you. This is for somebody else. This is for somebody else that's more qualified. That's got the education. That's got the. You know, you're just not the right person for the job. And that's how people start to think about themselves. And they sit there and they think, man, what do I have to offer? Who am I to step up and do this? But I want you to remember something. If God called you, then he also qualified you. If God called you, he also qualified you. I feel the Holy Ghost on that today. If he called you, he qualified you. And I'll say something here that uh, maybe you've heard said before, but it needs to needs to be said again. And that is this. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. That would be something great to put in the in the chat and to write in your notes and to remember for the rest of your life. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Look at Moses. Moses didn't want to go speak to Pharaoh. He felt like his his speech impediment would stop him. Look at the different men that God called through the Bible. I was reading to the church last night from Acts chapter 4, and um, I was talking about in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John, uh, they were not like Paul. They didn't have all this education. You know, they didn't start with all of this, uh, you know, they didn't have this pedigree. They weren't, they weren't up there with, they, they hadn't sat at the feet of Gamaliel and received all the teaching like Paul had. These were different kind of guys. And even the high council knew it. Look at Acts 4.13. The Bible says, and when they, that's the council, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's powerful right there. (laughs) and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They were common, uneducated men, according to the council. But you know what made all the difference in the world? They had been with Jesus. So even though they had no education, even though they seemed common, God was the one who called them, and so as a result, he qualified them. What are you going to tell me? Peter and John didn't make an impact in the early church because they didn't have a degree? Because they didn't come from the same pedigree? No. They made extreme impact because God called them. And God qualifies the called. So don't ever look at yourself and say, well, I don't, I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I, don't, I have what it takes. I don't know if I, you know, look at all these other people. That, aren't there better people, Lord, that you could call? God's not looking for better people. He's looking for willing people. He's looking for faithful people. That's who he's looking for. People whose hearts are turned toward him. That's what he's looking for. Because God can use any willing vessel that humbles themselves before the Lord and his plan. That's what he's looking for. A willing, humble, obedient vessel. Yielded people. That's right, Gina. Yielded people. 
And so many people don't complete or fulfill their purpose, their calling, because of crippling insecurity, a view of who they are from the outside versus who God said they are. This is why uh, I take time on the broadcast a lot to teach on uh, who you are in Christ. Because once you grasp the revelation of who you are in Christ, then that other stuff of who the world says you are, who your family says you are, who your friends say you are, what your education says you are, that stuff all falls to the wayside when you recognize this is who Christ says I am. This is who the Lord says I am. Changes everything. It changes absolutely everything when that's the case about you. And so don't let crippling insecurity stop you from stepping out and doing what God called you to do. If the Lord called you, see, that's why I gave you that first. Know your calling, discover your calling. And once it's discovered, once you have what God's called you to be, then understand if he called you to do something, then guess what? He also qualified you to do it. And you don't ever have to feel insecure. If you look at people throughout church history, <coughs> the most powerful people, you'd think, why would God call them? Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber and literally did not even get saved until you know, the middle of his life. He wasn't saved from a young age and in Bible school and you know, learning all these different things that nobody else knew. He was a plumber in England. And he wasn't even the first one saved in his house. It was his wife. And his wife's salvation led him to salvation. You hear me? And so people say like, well, he's too old to get started in the ministry. Well, he wasn't too old to shake the world. He wasn't too old to raise all those people from the dead. He wasn't too old to impart his spirit and his, and his, his impartation to Lester Sumrall. He said, well, he was too old. No, if God called you, then he qualified you. Stop thinking that you don't have what it takes. Stop thinking that you're not in position. You are. You absolutely are if God called you. So that's the second reason. Number three, and this is a big one. Get ready for this. If, if it wasn't enough that you, your own mind was talking to you, if it wasn't enough that your own mind was telling you you're not enough, number three, listening to the wrong voices in your life will keep you from completing your purpose. Trust me when I tell you, there's always going to be somebody who will come up on you and you, they don't even, they're not even going to wait for your mind to tell you. They'll tell you, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't, you're not, I don't know if you, you really need to be doing that. You've, there's all these people that when you step out to do what the Lord has called you to do, they will, literally, they will be sent to uh, derail you in your purpose. They'll all tell you, I don't know about that. Now, I, I should mention here that there's a difference between some uh, average person that's going to come up and, and discourage you and the voice of a spiritual leader that's trying to guide you or trying to bring correction to your life, or trying to, there's a big difference between your pastor coming to you, 
Right, Jennifer, and that's that's what I'm talking about now. What if the person happens to be your pastor? If it's your pastor, remember that your pastor is standing for you. He is teaching you. He's encouraging you. He's equipping you. And so uh, I'm not saying throw out every voice. Your pastor, a spiritual leader, may try to give you correction, may try to bring you back in line, may try to help you on your journey. And the, and, and the downside of this is that people will throw every voice out of their life. I'm not telling you to throw every voice out of your life. I'm saying watch for the people that are not your, see, here's the deal. You've submitted yourself to your pastor as a spiritual leader. You attend the church. You listen to his teaching. You listen to his preaching. But if some random person just shows up to you and starts trying to give you all this stuff for your life that's totally discouraging, it's, it's completely, well, that's a different thing. Your pastor who loves you, who's praying for you, who's standing for you, you should listen to what he has to say and not to say that those of us who are men of God don't miss it sometimes and we're you know, not saying we're uh, without fault or whatever, but there's a difference between your pastor telling you something and then some random Joe coming up to you and telling you you don't have what it takes and you don't need to be doing that, you don't need to be starting a business. Don't get uh, one of the phrases that... Uh, 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 is common in the South. I'm trying to remember exactly how. Um, it's something like, and if Ben falls on, he could tell me because we just talked about this. Is it's 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 really even in the Midwest. It's it don't don't go above your. Is it don't go above your raising something like that? Don't try to go above your raising or something like that. And and it's really it's like a a, a a phrase. Well, this is who your family is. This is who your family's always going to be. Don't try to go beyond that. And then when you start to be successful, when you start doing what God's called you to do, then you start to get the resentment. Oh, he thinks he's somebody. Oh, she thinks she's somebody now. She's got you know all oh, step doing something. And and they really want to keep you tied up in what your family has always been, what they've always done, what they've always had. And they don't want you to rise above it. There will be people that will try to stop you. They'll try to stop you from accomplishing the purpose that's on your life. And so, um, ultimately, Nancy asked the question, what if your spirit is not in agreement with what the man of God is saying? Well, only one of two things could be true. He's missed it, and you're hearing the voice of the spirit or you're missing it, and he's heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of what you do will, will prove whether you missed it or whether he missed it. And in the New Testament, you have to understand that we are all led by the Spirit of God. We are all supposed to be not led by men, but led by the Spirit of God. And so when you get to heaven, you'll have to answer to the Lord, uh, regarding what you did with what he asked you to do. Because in the New Testament, we can all hear the voice of the Spirit and we can follow and be led by that voice. And so if you feel like it's not the right thing, Nancy, um, then you're gonna have to do what you feel the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, but uh, the fruit of what you do will be the proof. It'll be the fruit of what you do. Um, Robert, you need to belong to a church. As a Christian, you don't have any opinion on the matter of whether or not you can attend church or should attend church, 
We're all called to attend church. Online church is not what we're called to. You're not called to stay home. And if you can't find a, a worthwhile church where you live, move. Move. Because being in the right church is one of the most important things that you could do. And so you got to do it. Uh, so number number three, listening to the wrong voices. Nehemiah was on the wall rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. It was his calling. It was his purpose. Seeing them undone acts actually caused him to be in a place of uh, uh, depression, if you will. He was downcast, so much so that the king recognized it. said, you're never like this. You're never like this. Why are you acting like this in my presence? And he said, well, how could I be joyful when the, the walls of Jerusalem are torn down? There's a breach in the walls. I need to go rebuild the walls. And, and so he said, go do it. And as he's working, as he's rebuilding, as he's on the wall, what happens? The men come who don't want the wall rebuilt, Sambalat and Tobiah. And what are they constantly doing? Come down off the wall. We want to talk to you. Come down off the wall. Stop your work. We want to deal with you. And he said, I can't come off the wall. My work is too important. What I'm doing is too important. And so if he'd have listened to those voices, what you find when you read the story, they really wanted to kill him. They were there to assassinate Nehemiah. And if he'd have come down off the wall, stopped his purpose, stopped his work, and listened to the wrong voices, it would have stopped him right in his tracks of doing what he was called to do. You see, watch out for the wrong voices. The devil knows how to send people to you that will just discourage you to the point where you won't move forward in what God's called you to do. Separate from that drama, separate from that negativity, separate from that doubt and unbelief, and surround yourself with faith-filled people. That's why I always teach the message about the man on the mat that was paralyzed. And he had friends in his life that understood the power of the anointing just as much as he did. And though he couldn't move himself to Jesus, they picked up his mat and brought him to Jesus. And when the house was full, they climbed up on the roof, tore it open, and lowered him down. And the Bible says, and when Jesus saw their faith, not just the man who needed a miracle, but saw the faith of him and the friends. You see how important it is to have the right people speaking in your life, to have the right people connected to you? I do not connect myself or remain connected with people that live on drama, people that speak doubt and unbelief, if that's who people are, they're not going to be seeing me. They won't see me because I'm not spending time in that nonsense. Life is too short. God's got too much for us to do, and I'm not spending time in, uh, in drama, in unbelief, in doubt, critical spirits. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So that's number three. Uh, so number one, people are unsure of their calling. Number two, they have insecurity about their calling. Number three, they listen to wrong voices about their calling. Number four, sin disqualifies them from their calling. That's number four. Of the top seven reasons people don't fulfill their calling. Number four, sin disqualifies them from their calling. Let me uh, read to you from Paul's second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Number four, sin disqualifies them from their calling. 
And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says, now Paul's writing to his, his son in the gospel. And he writes in 2 Timothy 2.20. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a a pure heart. So notice this. This was uh, Paul's heavy instruction to Timothy so that he would never miss out on completing his calling that God had for him. He said, you've got to recognize that in any house, There are two types of vessels, those of gold and silver, those of wood and clay. Some of them for honorable use, some of them for dishonorable use. So, So get this now, he's saying that if you'll stay pure, if you'll stay free from sin, then God can use you for literally any purpose that he wants to use you, any purpose. And so what ends up happening is that sometimes people get entangled in sin and it disqualifies them from fulfilling their calling, from fulfilling their purpose. I've seen people that were powerful, powerful in their calling, but got caught up in sin and sin destroyed their life and sin destroyed what they were doing for the Lord and the influence and the impact they were making in the kingdom and making upon people in their generation immediately evaporated because sin disqualified them from their calling. And so that's why the devil works so hard, especially for those that are working for the Lord uh, so diligently. He tries to use his limited resources to take you out by bringing you into sin. Tried to do it to Jesus. He tried to do it to Jesus. He said, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world. You know, he's tried to tempt him in, by, by the, the three different things that, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I dealt with this in my book on fasting. And Jesus came through the temptation victoriously every single time and didn't fall into that temptation of sin. But many do. Many do. And it destroys what God has called them to do. It destroys their purpose. It destroys their calling. And so you've got to do what Paul said and cleanse yourself and stay set apart, stay pure, stay holy. And God will anoint you to do what he's called you to do. Number five, here's a big one. Are you ready for this? This is a big one. Many people don't fulfill their calling because of financial lack or financial fear. Financial lack or financial fear. And they feel like, man, it's going to take a lot of money to do that. It's going to take, 
It's going to take serious money to get that done. And I just don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I have the money. I don't, I don't know if the money will come in. I don't know if I'll have the resources. And they don't move forward because of financial lack or financial fear. Unsure about the resources. I just, I, you know, that's going to be a lot. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could do that. When I've learned, you want to know an amazing thing I've learned? Amazing thing I've learned is when God calls you to do something, thank you, Zach, of course, God always pays for what he orders. God always pays for what he orders. So if God asks you to do something and and gives you a calling and a purpose, let me tell you, God will provide for what he's called you to do. Let me drop back to the previous one, because there's a question here from Rachel. If you repent and confess those sins, can you get back to your calling if that sin is under the blood of Jesus? Well, to answer that question, let me say, uh, if we're talking in regards to actual ministry, fivefold ministry, um, there are some things that though God will always forgive you and that your salvation can be intact and you're on your way to heaven, There are some things that will completely disqualify you from fivefold ministry. They'll completely disqualify you from ministering again. Uh, If it's other things you're doing that God's called you to do, maybe it's in business, maybe whatever it might be, uh, you can get back to doing what God called you to do. Uh, The thing that happens, though, that you have to watch out for is that though God forgives you, Though you're uh, restored to righteousness in his sight, you have to remember you're also dealing with people. And some people have an issue forgiving. Some pe- And many people have an issue forgetting. And so one thing that can take place that will limit your impact and that will limit uh, your efficiency is that your reputation becomes destroyed. And so people that used to trust you may not trust you anymore. People that used to be impacted by uh, your life and your ministry, your calling, whatever, they may not be impacted anymore because the reputation factor is destroyed. You see what I mean? And so it's not that God won't forgive you. It's not that your salvation's not intact and that those sins aren't under the blood. It's that you're still dealing with people on the earth and people are quick to judge. So that's, that's the point I'm making. Uh, number, number five, financial lack or fear. When people are called by God to do something, I've noticed that you've got to step out by faith to begin to do the thing God has called you to do. And as you do, then the increase comes. The increase comes. As you step out, as you obey, God begins to provide. Because it is in the stepping out that is the action of faith. And as you complete the action of faith, God releases the blessings to those who show they believe me. They believe me. I've shared the story many times where I learned this uh, early on in my life. And you've probably heard me mention it. When I first uh, had the opportunity, two separate people from two different parts of the country called me and asked me if I'd like to go on the radio. And they had openings right now to, to go on the radio and touch large portions of people. And I thought to myself, 
I, I don't have any equipment to do any radio broadcasts. I don't even have any radio broadcasts and all this stuff. But when the second person called me, I knew it was a confirmation, and I said, I will do it. Though I didn't have any equipment, I didn't have any broadcast, I didn't have anything. And I said, I will do it. And I stepped out. Well, I just announced the testimony. I said, thank God, I want to tell everybody what God's done. As soon as I stepped out and said yes, and began to start doing what God called me to do, God sent people that began to sow, and four months, think about this, by the time they were done, Four months worth of radio broadcast costs were paid in full before I ever aired one broadcast, before I ever did one, before I even ever recorded one, four months were paid for. Well, why, why did that happen? Because once I stepped out and began to move in the direction God called me to go, he provided. He supernaturally provided. Happened that way the first time we did our, our own uh, crusade, and it was going to cost me over $20,000 to do our first uh, crusade when I was very young in ministry. I didn't have $20,000 extra dollars to go do a crusade, but the moment we said yes, and the moment everything, we, we put our put ourselves in that direction, at before, let me tell you the, the testimony. By the time we got where we were going, and we set up the tent, and we got ready to preach, before we had our first service of the crusade, Every single bill of that crusade was paid in full, in full, because we stepped forward to do what the Lord asked us to do. And that's how it's always functioned. We stepped forward to get our studio at home. I don't know that we had the extra money to get all that done and do everything that we, that we were doing, but we knew that that was our prophetic word to get that place and start broadcasting from our own studio. And we went and got the building. And when we did, God spoke to one partner sent a check. They didn't even know we were getting a building. No one knew. No one knew. And uh, one person sent a check, paid the whole year of the building. It happened again the second year. Paid the whole thing. He pays for what he orders. Don't have a doubt or an unbelief about, can God do this? Will God do this? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Am I going to, will I have the resources? Well, <laughs> And I'm telling you, you know, I look at when God calls us to do it's, it's funny because when I lived in Virginia, we, this, this will, if you're, if you're younger in the ministry, this will encourage your faith. Um, when I was younger in, in the ministry and living in Virginia, I was positioned, you know, and situated in a good place on the East coast, right in the middle where I could go North, I could go South, I could go West. And uh, we would drive to the majority of our meetings. We would drive, me and Carolyn and the kids, we would drive to almost all of our meetings for the most part, unless I was going by myself because we were situated to do that. And then we started, you know, I started flying to meetings and everything. And, uh, and then we, we started realizing that after God called us to Florida, we were like, man, we're going to be living in South Florida where it takes like a full day just to drive out of the state. You drive all day long and you haven't even gotten out of Florida yet. And I'm thinking, Lord, if you're really moving us down here as, an, as evangelists, you know, we're gonna start having to fly everywhere. Well, Carolyn and I had already made up in our minds that we do ministry together. We're not, I'm not gonna be isolated from my family for you know, 250 days a year. And so we always go together. Well, that means that we started to have to have the faith 
so that we, because we weren't going to be driving out of South Florida for every meeting we went to. So we were going to have to have the faith to go to the next level to where we'd have to be able to afford a plane ticket now for uh, five people to go fly wherever we were going to go to all of these meetings. And can I tell you, when we obeyed the Lord and we moved and did exactly what the Lord told us to do, because I had no reason to go there. I had no reason to move, but the Lord said it. And can I tell you, when, the, when we did what the Lord asked us to do, with ease, we started paying for all of those plane tickets everywhere we went for all five people. And then we bumped it up. And now we're flying, we'll, we'll, instead of just, and I'll do this until I have my own plane, now we're, we're paying for all of our family and our team. And if we'll go different places, flying first class, wherever we go. Went from, went from having to drive everywhere to now flying everywhere to now flying first class everywhere, to now flying first class with the team everywhere. And that'll, that'll be the case until I, if, until I start needing to have my own plane somewhere. Why? Because every step of the way, when you obey the Lord, all of the finances are provided for you because God pays for what he orders. God pays for what he orders. That, let me give you a, a secret here. This is why you should never, ever apologize for the blessing of the Lord that's on your life. Ever. Don't ever apologize because God's been blessing you. You know why? Because the blessing of God isn't random. It doesn't arbitrarily show up in anyone's life. The blessing of God is provoked by faith. So when you start apologizing for the blessing of the Lord, as some do, then what you're really saying is, oh, I'm sorry that I've obeyed God's commands. I'm sorry that I've obeyed his voice. I'm sorry that I've obeyed his leading. Because God didn't just randomly bless you. He blessed you because you were obedient to his voice, his commands, his leading. And when you were, he opened up the windows of heaven and poured you out a blessing. So don't apologize. Don't ever feel bad that you're blessed or that you're more blessed than someone else. They have the same opportunities from God to be blessed. And so because you've done the things the Bible teaches you must do to be blessed, don't apologize. Don't apologize. Never do that. You know, people think, you know, well, I think others need to have others. That's not what the Bible teaches, by the way. See, because there are people that'll make you feel bad because you have and other people don't have. Oh, you've look at you, all you've got, there's people that don't have. But let me tell you something. That's not how the Bible teaches it. The Bible doesn't teach an equal distribution of wealth. The Bible does not teach that you should you shouldn't have because others don't have. That's not what the Bible teaches. The parable of the sower, or excuse me, the parable of the talents says that to him that has, even more will be given. Or to him that does well with what he has, right? The one that's a steward, the one that's faithful, the one that understands the nature of the master, right? To him that has, even more will be given. But to him that does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. Why? Because the reason we have or don't have is not because of God's sovereign choice. It's because of how we have responded to the commands of God. That's why. And so I don't ever feel bad. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't help those that are in need. Of course, as you know, we bless the poor, we feed the hungry, we do all those things that the Bible says to do. But how could I even do those things 
if I didn't have more than enough for just me and my family, right? And that's why you should never feel bad. That's what religion does. Religion wants you to feel bad. Can I tell you? I've never met a sinner that was angry about the car that I drive and the house that I live in. But I'll tell you what, there's church people that'll get bent out of shape about it. <laughs> it's funny that sinners don't care. They're like, wow, I like that. And then the church people are like, I don't know if a preacher should live like that, brother. I had a guy one time write a letter, came to my house, saw me on television, and saw my father. Sent a, a letter, nine pages front and back, about the kind of a watch a minister should wear. And then at the end of his letter, he drew a hand-drawn watch that was appropriate for a minister, like an illustration. He made an illustration of what kind of a watch a minister should wear. <laughs> That's it. And you have to stay that way, Britt. She said, you guys bless anybody in proximity. You have a generous spirit, and so do your children. Last night, I was so blown away. See, because we're trying to raise our children in this, in this way, that they will have uh, no shame about the blessing of the Lord on their life. No shame that they'll have a generous heart, a generous spirit. Last night, my daughter Brooklyn, who's eight years old, eight, she's eight, and the Holy Ghost hit her last night. I received that kingdom pilot praying about taking the next step and flying full time so I can do what God called me to do. I believe he said, go listen to Brother Ted now. I just felt my faith go way up. Amen. Amen. My daughter's eight. And last night, the power of the Holy Ghost hit her hard. She was laughing and weeping on the floor. Well, she got up off the floor, my daughter, and went at offering time and went and grabbed herself an envelope to give an offering. And she opened that envelope and opened up her purse. First of all, I don't know what my eight-year-old daughter is doing to get all this cash. To be honest with you, I have no idea what she's, what's going on in my household. But she opened, up her, she opened up her purse at eight and took out $238 and all the change that was in the change purse and put it in an envelope and sowed a seed. And I thought to myself, my Lord, here's a young girl that's been impacted by the Holy Ghost it's not because daddy said, now you need to give everything. You no, she's, she felt in her spirit that I have got to get up after God has touched me. Isn't this powerful? It shows you that without teaching, without somebody standing over you and trying to beat an offering out of you, that when somebody's impacted by the Holy Spirit, their first uh, feeling, their first emotion is to sow back into the kingdom of God. She gets off the floor, opens her purse, and sows like $238 offering with all the change also in the change purse and, and just sewed it. And uh, her mom said to her last night, we we're driving home. She said, now that you did that, God is going to bless you even more, Brooklyn. And she said, yeah, and I'll give more to God. That's what she said on the way back. You can see where her heart's at. And I'm praying, even for my children, that they'll never lack any good thing as they step out to do what God's called them to do. And the same thing, the same thing will happen for you. Don't apologize that God's blessing you. Don't apologize that he's lifting you up, head and shoulders above the rest, because not everybody will obey God. 
I want you to hear, hear something. The reason that you shouldn't be ashamed when you see the difference in the world, when you see the great divide between those that are uh, God's lifting up and those that are not being lifted up, not everybody's willing to obey God. Not everybody's willing to step out and to, uh, to give their life. Not everybody's willing to submit themselves to the leading of the Spirit. But those that are willing will be blessed for what they're doing. They'll be abundantly blessed. So don't allow financial lack or financial fear to stop you from fulfilling your purpose or your call. That's number five. Number six, a lack of impartation. That's the sixth thing of the top seven reasons that people don't fulfill their calling. Lack of impartation. Hallelujah. That's right, Glenn. He said, I will not be embarrassed in front of ungodly men for the blessing that God bestowed. That's exactly right. You're not going to shame me out of my blessing. You're not going to shame me out of my blessing. Number six, lack of impartation. Lack of impartation. One of the things that helps you heavily to fulfill your call is being connected to people that have done what you are trying to do and then following their leading, following their wisdom, being humble enough to receive that wisdom, act on that wisdom, and to receive correction and to receive full impartation and strength from people like that. You know, I thank God for where I'm at today, but I, you know, I didn't get here on my own or by myself. There were people who spoke into my life, people that brought, you know, my father, my uncles, other ministers that laid hands on me, that imparted to me, that gave me words of wisdom, prophesied over me, prayed for me. And I, I don't take those things lightly. In fact, if you've never read the book that I, I wrote in, in, entitled Further Faster, you need to get it. You need to read it. The entire book is on the power of impartation. It's entire book's on the power of impartation. That God uses the force of impartation to equip you for your purpose. Let's see. And so one of the things you have to recognize is that impartation doesn't seek you out. You seek it out. I'm going to say that again for anybody that's taking notes, impartation does not seek you out. You seek it out. It may present itself to you, but you have to be the one that seeks it out, that follows it out, that stick, that sticks with it, if you will. It's like Elijah and Elisha. Elijah came out of the mountains and met Elisha in the fields, put his cloak on him, but Elisha's the one who had to get down and burn the plows, and slaughter the oxen, and leave his job, leave his father, leave his family, and follow Elijah. And at the end of Elijah's life, when it was a time for a full impartation to take place, look at Elijah testing him multiple times. I got to go somewhere else. You stay here. No, I'm not leaving you. I got to go somewhere else. You stay here. No, I'm not leaving you. I got to go somewhere else. You stay here. Three times. No, I'm not leaving you. Then they crossed the Jordan River. If you see if you see me when I go, if you see me when I go, 
What was his desire? I want a double portion of your spirit. That's impartation. That's impartation. If you see me when I go, if you see me when I go, and if you've read the book, you'll know that means more than just watching him go up into the air in the chariot. Much more than that. If you see me when I go, if you have my vision, if you can see in the spirit when I go. See, because that was a spiritual thing. Then you'll have what you're asking for. Praise God, Natalie. And so many people miss it because of a lack of impartation. They want to be lone rangers in what they're called to do. I've, I've never understood this, why people want to just be lone rangers in their calling. They don't want to hear from anybody. They cut themselves off from everybody. They isolate themselves. They don't have anybody speaking into their life. They're not humble enough to listen to anybody. They want to do it their way. And there's people with that. There's, you know, all I need is Jesus. All I need is my Bible. All I need is, no, it's not. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. If all you needed was your Bible and if all you needed was Jesus, then Jesus would have never been the one, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, who set gifts in the church for the perfecting of the saints. You need church. You need ministers. You need pastor, evangelist, apostle, prophets, and teachers. You need that to be perfected. And that's not a man's system. That's Jesus' system. And there's, there's Christians that have no idea. They have no idea what they're talking about. They don't understand how the kingdom of God works. You know, well, I have church at home. I have church at home on my couch. I just crack the Bible open and just read wherever God gives me for that Sunday. It's not church. Church has been established. The methods of the church have been established. People need to get in one and submit to a pastor. It blows my mind. We, I do home church like they did in the early, in the early church. You don't realize people weren't staying home in the early church. They were all gathering in someone's home because they didn't have church buildings. They were gathering as a group in someone's home. It is. It is, Kim. Prideful thinking. I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody in the body of Christ. I don't need men of God. I don't need. It's ridiculous. Lack of impartation. And then people, um, and I say this in the most technical term, not as a, uh, this is not a, uh, I'm not saying this is a derogatory term. I'm using it in the most technical uh, scientific way, but they, people end up in spiritual retardation. And that just means to be slowed, to be slowed down. It's like when you go, when you study a piece of music in a piece of music, you can look at the, at the score and you can see at the end and it'll say to retard, to retard the phrase at the end. That means to slow the phrase down. That as you come to the end of the song, you retard it, you slow the phrase down. And that's what happens to people in the body. When they separate from everyone, they separate from the men of God, the women of God, all of this. And it, it, they go into spiritual retardation. Their purpose is slowed. Their calling is slowed and then brought to a halt. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. We need impartation. We need impartation. And then number seven, the seventh 
of the top seven reasons that people do not complete their calling and fulfill their calling is because of discouragement that causes them to quit. Discouragement that causes them to quit. Put that in the comments. Number seven, people get discouraged and then people quit before they fulfill their purpose. They get discouraged and they quit. They quit before they can fulfill their purpose. You are not a quitter. You are not a quitter. Hmm. In fact, I want you to write it. I am not a quitter. I don't quit. I do not quit. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. That's a phrase that when I was in Bible school, not Dad Hagen, not Brother Hagen, his son, Pastor Hagen, who's still alive, pastors Raymond Bible Church, Pastor Hagen would say it all the time. We'd hear him say it all the time. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I am not a quitter. No. But at the same time, there is a temptation. And if there wasn't, Paul would have never dealt with it in the Bible. There's a temptation for people to quit when what? When they get weary while doing good. Let me read it because he, he said this now uh, to the, the Galatian church. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. It said, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we'll reap if we do not give up. We don't quit. We don't give up. But notice this. Now, you say, well, people may have noticed that a lot of my ministry, I have encouraged people and encouraged people to operate, to live, to walk in the joy of the Lord. Well, there's a reason for that. I, and you've heard me preach it many times. The joy of the Lord is the fuel for your purpose. Because it's your strength. It is the element found in the presence of God that electrifies you for your purpose. You will go out in joy and be led forth by peace, Isaiah 55, 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth by peace. Joy, joy is so powerful. And then if you've never read the very first book I ever wrote, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, Living in the Power of Overwhelming Joy. In that book, I cover all of the biblical avenues by which joy comes into your life. But joy is so important because it is a divine strength that keeps you from quitting. It keeps you from stopping in your tracks. My father said to me recently, he said, the most important thing, keep on moving forward. Keep on accomplishing. Keep on doing what God's called you to do. Don't stay idle. Keep moving forward. Keep pressing. 
And joy is that element that keeps you from quitting, that keeps you from being discouraged, right? Um, I've shared it with you before. In that book, Contagious by Dr. Jonah Berger, they were, dis- we, they were discussing and studying all of the different uh, uh, emotions, if you will, that people deal with. And the one that blew, really blew their mind was depression. Depression was the one that like surprised them because they noticed in studying emotions that every other emotion, every other emotion people uh, experienced caused them to move forward and take action except for depression. Angry people do something when they're angry. People that are in love do something when they're in love. People that are excited and happy go do something when they're excited and happy. I mean, every emotion, they went through them all. And every emotion pushes you forward to do something except depression. It causes you to recede, go into isolation, and not do, not accomplish. And it even blew their mind. And they're not even Christians. They were just studying it uh, psychologically and found that depression brings isolation. It stops you. Why do you think when even the prophet Elijah was battling against this depression because of all the things that were happening, God had to encourage him. God had to fill him with supernatural strength and joy to continue to complete his purpose. God had to fill him with supernatural joy. Hope is exactly right. Hope Browning said in the comments, depression is from the devil. And she is exactly right. She is exactly right. Depression is from the devil. It is wicked. It destroys destinies. It destroys callings. People quit before uh, their victory comes. The devil would love, the devil would love for you to give up right before the breakthrough happens, right before it. When I was growing up in church, you know, they always had those tracks on cassette tape and somebody would stand and sing a special. And, uh, you know, it was all the 1980s and early 90s, you know, real uh, hokey sounding Christian tracks. But there was a song that people would always sing back then. It was a real popular song. Um, And it would go, don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Don't give in. God is still on the throne. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Um, I can't remember the last part, but that was, that was the, that was the whole, that was the whole, uh, thrust of the song. Don't give up when on the brink of a miracle, right before God's about to move. Don't give up. Don't give up. Imagine if those that were in the, the, the children of Israel in the wilderness, imagine if they had given up right before, how discouraging would that have been? They gave up right before the Red Sea was parted. <laughs> I'm going back to Egypt. I'm done with this. I'm so sick of being out. There's no, there's no garlic. There's no leeks. Can you imagine? Well, that, that's exactly right. That's part of the discouragement, Lenan. We keep praising. We keep, and why? Because when we stay in joy, it literally steals the devil's ability to cause us to quit. I cannot be defeated. I will not quit. I cannot be defeated. I will not quit. Let me encourage you at the end of this broadcast. You are victorious. You are victorious. There's nothing that the devil has that is too much for what you have. 
the greater one truly lives on the inside of you. And that's talking about greater than every antichrist spirit, every antichrist devil. Amen, Talitha. Every antichrist spirit, every antichrist devil doesn't have what you have on the inside of one believer, just one. Do you realize all the forces of hell could line up against you with the devil at the helm and one believer could stand and face all of those forces and they would all have to turn and flee from one believer that has the greater one living on the inside of them. Hallelujah. It's the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead that dwells inside of your mortal physical body. Come on. One believer contains more power than all of the forces of hell combined. That's powerful right there. The greater one is on the inside of you. The same spirit, thank you, Jackie, that raised Christ up from the dead. Resurrection power. Think about it. Resurrection power is on the inside of your body today. Today. You know, it's all right to be reminded of these things. Paul reminded the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you know, know ye not, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives in you, dwells in you. He's made his home in you. And whenever you walk around, I don't care where you are. You might be at the grocery store. You, be, you might be going to fill up with gas. You might be on the way to see a friend. You might be working at your, at your job right now. You might be in school. Doesn't matter where you are, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're standing, even if you're driving, your body is literally overflowing and filled with resurrection power, Holy Ghost power. It's so much, it can get in your clothes. It can get in your bed. Let me tell you something. They said the man who bought John G. Lake's house And if you don't know who John G. Lake is, he was a powerful minister of the last century. Dr. John G. Lake went to South Africa during the bubonic plague. He opened a home in Spokane, Washington, and he created that home as healing rooms. They they made them healing rooms. And sick people would come to the home, and he and his healing technicians would minister to them every day in the house. And they saw over 100,000 documented miracles in 10 years in that home. And when he left the home and the the home was sold, uh, the reports are that the man who bought that home afterwards lived to be like 104 years old and as long as he lived in that house was never sick a day in his life. Why? The anointing is uh, residual. There's a residue that's in the anointing. If it can get into a prayer cloth, it can get into your bed. If it can get into a prayer cloth, and if it can get into Peter's shadow, and if it can get into Jesus' robe, and if it was in Jesus' spit, then it's all over you. It's in your hands. It's in your body. It's in the words you speak. It it is all over you. Elisha's bones, that's right. You, You think about it. The the anointing has a residue that stays, glory to God, that stays. And that's what I'm encouraging you with today. It's in your body. 
the greater one. Don't be discouraged. Maybe there, there might have been people watching me today that discouragement was trying to hit you. You were try, you, Literally, the devil was trying to make you quit. You weren't on this broadcast by accident. You're not listening to this podcast by accident. Don't quit. You're full of the power of God. You're full of the anointing and the glory of God. The best days for you are not behind you. They are ahead of you in Jesus' mighty name. Let me pray a prayer of uh, faith for everyone. Yeah, you know what? Brett, I'm with you on that. Britt said, I'm, I'm praying it gets in my cake pops and blesses everybody that eats them. Hey, anoint that cake batter. Anoint that frosting. I mean, I know God does that stuff. I've seen it. Praying over. I pray that when you eat this, praying over a meal, that the strength of God will come into your body. I've watched it. I watched when A.A. Allen prayed for a man that had stomach cancer in the final stages and for a long time had not been able to keep any food or even any liquids down. He would just vomit it up, vomit it up because of the stomach cancer. They brought him on a bed from the local hospital under the tent and they, he, Brother Allen had them run and get a cold cut sandwich from one of the places that was, I guess, selling food or the cafeteria, he said, run and bring me a cold cut sandwich. And I think they brought him back like a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich or something. And he, he, he laid hands on that man in the bed, but then he prayed over that sandwich, prayed the anointing on it. I'm praying, Lord, touch his body. When he eats this, I thank you. The anointing flows and he'll keep it down. And here that man took the saran wrap off that and in front of thousands of people, starts eating that cold cut sandwich, didn't vomit it up, ate it, kept it down, drank water, Healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the power of God is available and is in you right now. Do not quit. Do not be discouraged. Be encouraged today, knowing God's got great things set aside for you and you will fulfill your calling. Father, I pray for every person that's watching this today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for calling them. Thank you for equipping them. Thank you for purposing them in these final moments of time. I ask you, Lord, by your anointing and by your spirit that you would, from this day, if they don't know what they're called to do, reveal it to them, Lord. Let them hear your voice clearly, we ask you, so they can get started doing what you've called them to do. For those that know what they're called to do, Lord, open doors to them like they've never had open. I pray, if it's those in business, send them clients. I pray, Lord, that you would open up uh, contracts, commissions, and sales, and benefits, and bonuses. Open it up to your people. We thank you, Lord, for those in ministry, for those that are pastoring. Let their churches flourish. Those that are evangelizing, let their meetings flourish. Let the souls come in. Let the miracles happen. Lord, we thank you. This will be the most productive year we've ever seen by the power of your Holy Spirit. Use us for your glory, we ask you in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you as we step forward. All the resources will be there. All the strength will be there. I thank you, Lord, for keeping us in your perfect peace in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise for that. Now, Lord, as you moved on Little Brooklyn last night, and as you've already been moving on people today, I pray you give us an instruction about a seed to sow as we're moving forward into our year of divine possession, that we'll have what we've never had, we'll do what we've never done, we'll go where we've never gone by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' wonderful name. And we'll hear that and obey that word in the name that's above every name, Jesus. Amen. Listen, those of you that are watching, 
Now's the time. I want to encourage you, like my little daughter Brooklyn did, like others have already been doing in the comments, sow a seed today by faith and watch what God will do in you. You know, one of the things I didn't touch on when it comes to this area of financial lack or financial fear, if you are a sower, you've got seed in the ground to have those harvests come into your hand. Financial blessing is never an accident. It always comes in response to people's obedience to the word of God. And so I'm encouraging you today. Uh, I believe the overlay is on the screen. Is that right, Zach? We're good. And you can see the ways to sow your seed, miracleword.com. You can see all the different ways to sow, all the digital platforms. And I want to say thank you. For those that are partnering at $85 or more, we're sending you Brother Hagen's book, I Believe in Visions. For those that are partnering at $250 or more in this month, we're including with that the miracle of the scarlet thread. And then for those that are standing at $1,000 or more, we're including on top of those two books, the Net Study Bible Full Notes Edition. It's our way of saying thank you for standing with Carolyn and with me as we're doing the most that we've ever done for the Lord and seeing people changed by the power of God. Thank you, Regina. And uh, this, this meeting has already been powerful. We got to celebrate Pastor Brian Tome's birthday yesterday, and uh, God has truly used him. I'm so thankful for him. This is a powerful church in Fitch Fitchburg, Massachusetts, Crossroads Community Church. We're here all week, 7 o'clock every night. We're live on all platforms. I want to encourage you to log on and watch what God's doing. Last night was awesome. Yesterday in the morning, awesome. I can't wait to see what God's going to do tonight. It's going to be amazing. So all week, we're here in Crossroads Community Church. Next week, starting on Sunday, we're at His Tabernacle in Ithaca, New York. And then uh, the week after that, Gateway in Imlay City, Michigan, outside of Detroit. And then back to Horseheads, New York for Partner Night for, uh, for Uproar Conference. It's going to be a wonderful three weeks, and we want to see you. Leslie Joy, it's Leslie's birthday today. Everybody wish Leslie a happy birthday in the chat. Leslie is 29 years old today. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. God bless you, Leslie. We love you. I love you guys. So again, back at 7. Before you go, let me encourage you to go to bible.miracleword.com because I want you to check out this upcoming course that's getting ready to launch in one week from today, just one week from today, on the 28th of March, registration opens up, and we're going to take you through these personalized Bible studies, and uh, it's going to be amazing as we give you the tools, we give you the resources, and we teach you how to use them to properly interpret the Bible, uh, and then we're going to go through Bible studies together. And so go check it out right now, bible.miracleword.com. And, ch and check that out. You'll see everything you're going to receive, all you're going to get, and uh, it's going to be so, so great. Those of you that are part of the text family are going to get the first invitations to register. And so if you're not a part of that, go to miracleword.com and sign up for texts, forward slash text, sign up, and uh, it's going to be great. We're on a countdown, seven days away, seven days away, and I'm so pumped up. I love you guys. Thank you for hanging with me today. I'll be back again tonight and then tomorrow morning and every day this week at 10.30 a.m. right here on all platforms. Have a great one. I'll see you tonight. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.